Welcome to Veteran State of Mind. I'm your host, Garant Jones. Thanks for coming along, guys. Thanks for being here. Got another great guest for you today, as per SOPs. Um, that's standard operating procedures. For you civvies out there, but welcome civvies. Welcome youngsters. Welcome old and bold. Welcome everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we really appreciate it. The community is growing. You guys are sharing the posts. We've grown quite a lot in the last few months. You know, we're we're going out there and there's over 2 million veterans in the UK alone and we want to at least reach everyone and give them the chance to say, nah, I don't want to listen to this, these fuckers, right? Give them the chance. So if you could keep making posts, keep sharing the word, keep spreading the word, um, we really appreciate it. And um, as ever, please just lend me ears for a couple of minutes to our podcast sponsors because no sponsors, no podcasts. So thank you so much to the Royal British Legion. They have been doing the business for over 100 years. They make this podcast possible. Um, there is no podcast without them, guys. To come in the studio, uh, all that kind of stuff, the web hosting, all these things, it all costs the moolah and um, the Legion uh, uh, instrumental in helping us get this thing going. Um, so thank you so much to the Royal British Legion. Times are going to be tougher coming up over the next six months. A lot of people are out of work already. More people might be. The Legion, if you're a veteran or a veteran family, that is the place to go for financial advice. Um, head over to rbl.org.uk and also at Royal British Legion. They've got some great content um, online. Definitely check them out. Have a look through the posts because like, I, I go onto their site, um, I go onto their social media every now and again. I just have a bit of a scroll through there because, you know, you know what it's like on social media. There's so much stuff you miss a lot of it, and you don't want to be missing what the Legion's putting out. They have a lot of great stuff on there. Recently, I've been reading about uh, about Korea, um, VE days coming up. So head over there and check them out at Royal British Legion. Big thank you to the guys over at Right Flank Ali Veterans who did the business on tour. Now they're doing the business in uh, active leisure wear for men, women, civilians, military, serving military veterans. They've got it for all and everyone. Check them out at Right Flank. That's R-I-T-E Flank at Right Flank. Uh, also, rightflank.com. Again, spent R-I, sorry, spell R-I-T-E Flank. Head over there. Um, I wear this stuff myself. I recommend it. I wouldn't push anything on you guys that I wouldn't use or do use myself. And I use Right Flank. So check them out. Um, please give them a follow on social line. Uh, on social line, don't know what social line is. Good nickname for a site that actually, isn't it? Right, trademarked. Uh, check them out on social media. Give them a follow. Please give all these guys a follow because we are one community here at Vsom Nation. All right, today's episode we have an amazing guest. He is the first ninja that we've ever had on the podcast. What is a ninja? You ask me. Well, this guy is one of those lunatics who runs around on big old obstacle courses like Ninja Warrior. Uh, he's the winner of Beastmaster on Netflix. Uh, he's an absolutely lovely lad. Um, he, he really is. So he was um, he was in the rifles and then uh, he's in the rifles and he's had some fucking tough times in his life. But you know what? He's an absolutely gleaming human being and I'm really glad to have him on the podcast. So let, let's just get to him. He is, of course, the lovely, the charming, the undefeated Corbin Mackin. Corbin, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks for coming along. That's all right, not drama. Thanks for the invite. We're welcome, mate. I've been wanting to do this one for you uh, for a while. I can't remember how I came across exactly, um, but it was 
I saw you on uh, Instagram. Must have been someone must have been sharing when you post or something like that. So whoever that was, thank you. But uh, you've got, you looks like you've got a very interest. Like there's a lot of veterans out there, mate. who have got pretty unique lives, and you're the only one I've seen who does what you do. Uh, but before we get into that, can you just talk, talk us through um, what was it that got you to join the army in the first place? So I'm going to start it off with uh, back in the day, um, me and my older bro Travis, uh, we're always very competitive, and um, our family is orientated around the military so i think from my my father his brothers and my my granddad they've got like together a collective oh. um amount of years of, like some like 140 plus years of service within the family just through like one two generations and that's it so being a part of a massively orientated family of the military it made sense that my personality was probably going to drive me towards joining one of the services which one it would have been at that time, I didn't know. Um, so me and my bro, you know, really competitive and all that sort of stuff. And he always used to watch all of the, the military movies and all that sort of stuff as we were growing up. And um, he joined the Royal Marines. And um, as soon as I had left school, you know, twiddling me thumbs, I remember being on a paper round, right? And I remember looking through a window on this paper round and I seen the Twin Towers Rock. on fire. Rock. Like, plane i'm just watching this plane man i'm outside in the in the street the probably the people probably think i'm gonna rob them <laughs> and, yeah i was gonna say why you were looking through the windows mate <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, did, I did they piqued me interest oh, i'm really a young lad as well i must have been about what 15 and uh or 16 or whatever and yeah, his planes coming straight in bang smashes into the twin towers and I'm like, wow, man, what's going on so i sprinted around my paper and i got back home because it looked like it was proper a real deal so from there, I, you know, that, that's something as my child as a teenager, which took my breath away as well. So seeing that and then obviously having that, you know, that, that um, kind of military st- British fa- standard valour, you know, we're quite like, mm. we want to help people. We want to help the world. We, we always like to get stuck in if there's something going on. Like uh, as you're growing up, you want to do that anyway, don't you? Someone's getting in a fight. You're there to break it up usually or you're joining in to win winning as well. Like that's Brits for you. Like that's getting what- your camera out these days, mate. <laughs> that's people, what we- people getting their cameras out now. <laughs> exactly. That's what we do. So, um, yeah, so it stemmed from all of that sort of stuff. And in the end, I think it was just an eventuality where you have three choices in life. You either go and be a, a plumber or, or your apprenticeship. You either go to university. And um, yes, I was not in more uh, intelligent enough to do that. So that was straight out of the window. And, um, or you join the military. And because of everything that went on, as well as um, watching the Band of Brothers, massive, um, Classic. In, in, yeah, massive insight that had on me um, in wanting to jo- join, join the British Army. Um, and that was it. You know, I'd, I'd a, it was like I, I come to a bridge, a crossroad, and it was like, Corb, what are you going to do? You know, you've got to do something with your life. You're going nowhere. I got, didn't really know what I want to do. And I just wanted to get away as well, get away from my, my hometown, my city. My bro had already gone in the Royal Marines. And I'm just like, I need to do something to compete, you know? So I joined the British Army. Mm. Um, I went and did my para insight course um, because obviously Band of Brothers stemmed me in that stead. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, so I went, went and did that. Went and yeah. did my para insight course, did that. And um, went back home was in two minds what I was going to do, what I was going to join, what battalion. And then I went back into the recruiter's office and um, the guy over there was rifles. And he goes, you know, pretty much persuaded me to go into the rifles regiment. And that was probably one of my regrets. I should have joined the paras, you know, 
Yeah, mate, it's it's funny how people, uh, it's funny how you end up in the regiment that the recruiter's from at the time, isn't it? Like, all this this little chain of events, like, honestly, mate, I feel so fucking um, jealous of the guys that are joining up now when they have, like, they have this podcast to listen to and there's a bunch of other podcasts and they, all this stuff online. It used to exactly. be, you go in the recruiting office, whoever sat behind that desk, that's in. probably the regiment you're going to go to. You're joining, exactly. So you, 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 you wanted the challenge of the Paras, you felt like it was a step, like another step up? Or I wanted that because the competition side of it with my brother in the Royal Marines, I thought, you know what, I want to go to... <laughs> oh, yeah, Yeah, I want to go Paras. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, like I said, that's that's um, everyone has a regret in life. That, to this day, is probably one of mine mate i'll um, i'll 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 um i'm actually going to agree with you on that one as well as much as i love the tours that i did the lads that i did it with yeah that's also my same regret mate like same anyone anyone else young lads out there listening i say this to people all the time don't be funneled into going somewhere for somebody else's choices be that a recruiter or your parents or whatever you know um look at what's out there and uh, look, look at what's out there. Listen to as many experiences as you can, and make your decision from there. Because, I, like I said, mate, it was just—I get where you're coming from. It is a regret, but at the same time, it wasn't really like when you're that young, you just don't know. You just don't know, do you? You don't know any different. No. What was your What was your family in, mate? What What were What were regiments were your family in? Um, my dad, who was in the uh, Royal Navy, um, his uncles were all British Army, so in the RGBW, that sort of stuff. Um, until it obviously got amalgamated to to the rifle regiment. Um, so, oh, that's why I didn't realise I was part of the rifle. Yeah, so it all got amalgamated. So, like, the D&Ds, RGBW, um, was it? Uh, the light infantry, all that sort of stuff. They all come together. Yeah, and the green jackets. And so that became the first... So, RG, RGBW, is that became one rifles, did it? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so right. it, it okay, all... Cool. Yeah, that's just exactly what happens. Um yeah, there we go. Rifles uh, start. Oh, that's me. Jo- join up. Join the Rifles Regiment. And, and yeah, the training is about to start. And what year was that, mate? I was in 2006, seven. Right. So did you did you make it out of Telic? Uh, did you make it out of Telic then, one rifles? I don't... No, I, did, I missed out on that. Missed out on Telic. Just, just missed out on the text, but it was obviously when Afghan was starting to pick up then anyway. Hmm. So gone to Catrick, um, started doing my training and everything else. And because you're in there, you, you want to see action. You're already ready. You're training as hard as you can. You're starting to, to get a bit of energy, aren't you? And a, and a, a bit of, um, basically, you want some action, don't you? You're hearing the stories that are going on. We're going into the NAFI and all that. You've seen the, the, the news, you know, people out on tour already getting some and everything. And, you know, it's like you're a young lad. You're doing training. You want to go straight out to, 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 to do something, to try and help the course. And um, so, yeah, so that was me leading on to why I chose one rifles regiment. Um, but training was, was shit. Um, <laughs> it was hard work. Uh, got, yeah, yeah. Hit in the head a few times, kicked in the head, you name it. Um, I think I had an iron chucked into my face. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know what though, mate? Right. If it teaches you a lesson, I'm all right with it. Cause I can remember yeah, some kicks yeah. in the heads and stuff. And I did a very, very truncated, shortened version of training, obviously, because mm-hmm. I came from TA, well, the reserves, as people call it now. Um, but, you know, when I went up to ITC, I, there was a few kicks in the head, and I remember those lessons forever. Of course, yeah. Um, which, is, which, which is a good thing. It must have meant it was, didn't kick me that hard, if I could remember it. But, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that... What, what's, your, what's your kind of opinion on that? Like, what do you... Are you all right with a bit of corporal punishment? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I am, but... I was at one point in training where I thought, geez, like lay off me. I'm having, I'm getting it all the time. Like, is it just me? Right. What is it that I'm doing wrong? But I think it was because my personality, I look at it now, 
I've always had something to say. I was that guy. <laughs> I was that guy. I wouldn't shut up. It was like, I look back in now, cool, please just stop talking. Like, get that, yeah. But every time someone was wrong, like I was like, it's not my fault though. And I feel like I had to always back it up. It's like, they don't yeah. want you to back it up. They don't give a shit what your fucking comeback is. They don't care if it was you or was not you. Mm-hmm. They just want you to learn how to be, obedient mm. they want you to take orders and that's what they need you to do they need you to shut up take on board what the training is and be a bod and look out for, you, for your muckers and, and that's it so were you gobby in school um i would say so yeah until year 10 and 11 when i had to figure out hang on i'm, I'm going nowhere i need to try and do something good for gcses or, or i'm gonna be a proper dropout uh, what about sports and stuff in school it's gonna rewind a little bit mate i thought it was yes yeah, fine yeah so in in, in school man and um, sports um i was quite a small lad in school so i was quite a late bloomer probably didn't start puberty till i was about 16 and then when i first <laughs> got my first pub i was there buzzing jumping around going look at this one look at that <laughs> You know, Just so me he's, he's not showing me on camera for anyone who was wondering. <laughs> That's a lie. I got me mm. really out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, man. Um, uh, yeah, I was quite a small lad, but I was always alright at sports. So I enjoyed sports. I took part in them all. I really enjoyed like getting involved with. But if I never really got picked for like the the football teams and that stuff, because like I said, I was a late bloomer. I'm, I'm going to blame it on my my height and strength. Yeah, but then that changed. I finally hit puberty. Yeah, mate, I've been listening. I recommend this book, Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, to anybody listening. I've been listening to that mo- at the moment. And it was explaining how, because obviously, you know, the school, the year where you get put in is like, you know, there's people that are born in September mm-hmm. and there's people that are all the way around in August. So if you're born in August, the chances are you're going to be smaller um, than the people who were born earlier in the year. Those are the chances. Mm-hmm. Therefore, those people usually get picked for this. So your chances of getting picked for a sports team are higher if you were born earlier in the year, as in earlier in the school year. And then once you're in those teams, you get better coaching, you get more coaching, you're playing around other better people. So the advantage you get by starting off in sports teams like that because of your age, that translates then. And if you look at most professional leagues, you could, like they've always got their data are clumped around the same kind of times a year because they've had that... They've had that kind of a uh, benefit to it. It's really, really fucking interesting. So anyone listening, Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, check it out. I yeah. really recommend it. Um, but mate, yeah. So in 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 school, then, mate. Um, obviously, you know, talk about the sports things. Talking about being a little bit gobby. Were you were you like were you out and about getting in the woods, getting up trees, all this kind of stuff? Like, were you, was that your kind of thing? You know what I mean? Bit of adventure training. Right. That's me. Right. So I was you probably can relate many can relate out there okay so i was that guy like like i'm 30 i'm 31 right so i was in the area when i was younger where it was cool to always be out in the woods in the streets doing all that sort of stuff it wasn't playstation or pc for us i didn't have my msn and that i didn't have my, my facebooks and stuff i was out there playing manhunt tag kiss chase with the ladies didn't manage to catch any of them oh. which is men <laughs> in my group <laughs> and uh so that was me like we used to play, um, like, have you ever seen War of the Buttons? War of the Buttons? Movie. No, mate. Recommended, <laughs> right? It's brilliant. It's like a bunch of little little Irish kids, right? They're all in school, and they're out there attacking everyone and each other with sticks and stones, like what we did as kids. Um, but it's like bad, like funny kids humour that involved it. But it reminds us of, like, probably our era of, of growing up. And, um, yeah, so... I remember a bunch of times, you know, the old green bin lids, the circular bin lids mm. we used to have. That was my shield. Yeah, I could, I could battle them, mate. 
Yes, that was my shield. I still got one of them. I still, I definitely, I, I think I might, it might be on my Instagram. I found one in the garden last year, and I was definitely running around smacking everything with a piece of wood in one hand, bin lid, bin lid in the other hand. Exactly that. Um, but you know what, mate? And I'll give credit to parents back this as well because even if I had, even if I'd have had the PlayStation and stuff, because we did have a Mega Drive. Yeah. Because I remember, like, um, I definitely had a Mega Drive, but you weren't allowed to be on it all day. Only when it was raining. You'd be told to go outside. Yeah, you'd be, you would be told to be outside. Like when we used to finish, um, so like I'm, this is my primary school is right around the corner from where we're recording this. And um, when we used to finish school, you go home, you drop your stuff off, you get changed, and then you go back out. And like, you know, there's down, down the back here, there's a river, trees, all that kind of stuff. And we go and, you know, go and hang out and swing over the river. And I don't like, okay, none of us died. I'm sure somewhere, somewhere, like, you know, there's been accidents with kids. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But I feel like that was extremely beneficial to all of us, not just from the physical point of view, because I was still a little fat cunt, yeah. <laughs> but also because um, because you just you learn about like that's where you established like you learn about like social hierarchies and interactions and everything like that. You can't learn about that sitting on your own or talking to someone through Call of Duty headset. No, or people skills. Yeah, exactly, mate. And that's that's the kind of stuff that does most of it. Um, so I uh, what so by the time we're talking to people skills right by the time you get to the rifles have you learned to keep your mouth shut by that point or did you yeah. did you get filled in when you when you first got there yeah no I was I was pretty much filled in all the time on my training team um, yeah all the time like um, it was to the point where I'm sure they wanted me out they wanted me out because I just wouldn't learn or listen but right. you know what. I stuck to it. I was a fit lad in there and I kept on just trying to push the barriers with them and, and try and change their opinion in one way or another. You know what, though, mate? Sometimes, though, the people that get put, like, I'm not going to say, well, picked on because they are choosing, though, for, for want of a better word. It's because they see potential in somebody mm. a lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? And that, that attention might come across as, oh, God, why are they always fucking on me? But it could be because they're like, oh, we've got a diamond in the rough here. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, well, yeah. I might have thought, well, possibly. I won an award at the end of training, which was good. So There you go, then, mate. What was the award? <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, it wasn't from my uh, attitude, I'll tell you right. that. Um, it, was, it was best shot. It wasn't be- most kicks in the head. <laughs> yeah, well, I've probably got brain damage now from that. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, I do agree with the training, that type of training, being to this day I, I'm, I, I'm sick of people trying to go lawsuits and stuff like that mm. there is a line obviously there's a line okay but i still think that has to be there in, in some respect yeah. you know you need to be scared yeah war's hard mate like war's hard and you're not doing anyone a favor by not giving them tough times before they go to war because i'd much rather the first time the first time I'm shitting myself. I'd rather be that when I've got a, bl- a magazine of blanks on my weapon than a fucking live rounds and I've got live rounds coming in the other way yeah, as yeah. well. You know, it's it's good to get people scared. It's good to get... I'm like, look, mate, here's the other thing. I find it very weird, right? This is I find it very bizarre that in our society, we have a problem about recruits getting hit who are getting trained to go to war, but then we'll stick on the TV and watch boxing and UFC. Yeah. What? yeah. And we're training for war. If you, like... If so, if it's all right to watch fucking UFC on the TV, it's all right to fill in a fucking crow bag who's going to go to war. And his job, when you break it down, his job might be to stick a bayonet into another human being. Yeah. These people are fucking mad, mate. They're exactly. fucking bonkers. <laughs> they're, they're bonkers. Like, you just got to break it down like that. Did, on the subject of that, actually, did you ever think, because obviously you saw the Twin Towers 
Um, you know, you saw the Twin Towers, you watched war movies with your brother. What were your feelings about the idea of you, obviously, you joined the infantry. Mm. Did you ever think to yourself, I might have to kill someone? Did you ever think, or did you ever have like that discussion with yourself? Or was it just like, oh, well, just not something you thought about? I think as a kid, like I've always been that competitive and I've always done stuff on the edge. I've always tried to, in one respect, like be involved with, with a little bit of, um, the word adrenaline like i've always been trying to like push mm. the boundaries to in such in in certain respects so yeah i've, I've always thought like if i was ever going to be involved in a situation where i have to slot someone like you know it's to- two totally different things saying it without being out there in that position to do it and obviously being there to do it like you, you it's so hard yeah. and anyone that can say yeah yeah i can just go and start someone right there and then but I can, i've seen people cower in the face mm. of, of danger hide putting their hands above their heads when you need to be shooting back at the enemy and and that's that's where you find out where the minerals are who's got the big cojones mm. who hasn't and that's where, you, where that's where you find it is when you are faced with that so mate i agree with you i've i've seen people i've seen people do the same thing and and here's here's the thing not everyone who gets through training and stuff will have what it takes to stand up it's, it's a different thing going through training and then actually standing up when there's bullets coming your way and not everyone will do it. And you know what? They might be the sensible ones, to be honest, mate. They might be the sensible ones. But that's, you know, your job is to get up. Job is to get up into them bullets. Um, you know, that's... The, but that's what, again, it's why the training needs to be hard. To weed those people out as much as possible. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. as it was, maybe you might have had one or two people in your company like that. Well, if the training's totally soft, you might end up that half of your company does that. And then that happens. What happens? You end up getting overrun, and everybody gets everybody gets fucking killed, don't they? So yeah, yeah, needs to be tough, mate. Um, so what? How did you feel then going out to what was it? Two thousand eight. You went out. Two thousand eight. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. First tour. How, how how did you feel gearing up for that then? Oh, buzzing! I tell you, I was on cloud nine, excited. You know, couldn't wait for it. I thought my training. This is it. This is what it's about. This is the reason why I've joined. I didn't join to to stag on in camp. Mm. Back in Chepstow, no. I didn't. I joined because I wanted to be out there at the thick of it, in the forefront, staring death in the eyes, like going head on. And that's what I wanted. And, um, and yeah, fuck me. I got it. You know, I got that. And, um, you know, half me, oh God, it makes me feel a little bit on edge thinking it like nearly going back there now. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but yeah, so I got what I wanted and, um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was an awkward time for me in certain respects but at some of the best times as well what, what what did you like what did you kind of discover about yourself while you were out there those first few weeks um i i discovered how, one thing how precious um life is in one respect like at one point of the tour i can't tell you what part of that tour it was but you you understand how mm. precious life is you also discover how easily life can get taken um and also how much i miss takeaways jesus did i miss takeaways i love that <laughs> i used to say it every week on stag <laughs> could you you could you could take you could take away if you could take away a fucking goat some fucking takeaway spuds took away a cow from a field yeah did you? we bought it mind you we didn't steal what were you, were you um were you in one one location or were you going out on ops or how how did it work like how did you uh, so i was in a patrol base um down in uh southern helmand um in the green zone um yeah and then we were in a patrol base it's fuck all around like um we were monitoring uh, it was like root cowboy so it's the main 
route into Afghanistan going up um, from, where was it? I think what the country was that they were coming up from. Pakistan, probably. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So um, we're monitoring that, doing that basically as what they all say um, is peacekeeping, which is mm. a load of rubbish, if, if you ask me, because it was not that. Um, it was completely the opposite, really. Um, you can't peacekeep people that didn't really want you there, and that was my thought process behind it. Yeah, the other thing, mate, as well, is peacekeeping insinuates there was a peace to be kept. <laughs> like, like you can't keep something that doesn't exist. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, it's like if you turn up and there's fucking airstrikes and shit going on, where's the peace? And how do you keep it? It's, it's ridiculous, mate. Like, the whole notion... The whole notion is is absolutely bonkers. But you went. Do you go, did you go out there expecting a scrap though? Yeah. So just before we got there, actually, pre pre deployment um, training obviously happened, which I'm going to give everyone an insight to that. You probably may have already spoke about it before, but you know our pre deployment training, especially looking at um, IEDs and all that sort of stuff, being point man. You know, we were doing this with sticks, man. Sticks in a field. Oh, you mean you mean instead of your like Valens and stuff? You, yeah, exactly. I, I didn't Valen touch Valens. I didn't touch a Valens until I got to Afghan, mate. <laughs> exactly. Pre-deployment is a stick. What we're doing this? I don't know. Just wave it about. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Waving this stick about, trying to find ideas. Um, so at then Camp Bastion. So got Camp Bastion, and obviously we have our, our debriefs and that. Who was out there already? Who we we're going to be transferring over with? I think it was PWRR who got the best in the bit because they just took over the Americans and they left them loads of Gucci kit. <laughs> and obviously PWI left us fuck all when we got there, apart from a few dirty old questions. Of course it is. <laughs> um, yeah. So got there and then obviously that's where the training started to kick in. You got the Valin and all that sort of stuff, figuring out what you're going to do actually out in, out, out in your patrol base. And there was so many stories about obviously where we were going what was happening different attacks they were getting ambushed everything else so we're, we're all expecting big things to happen out there and you know all of us are getting excited and on edge was that because your brother went out at the same time right yeah so we were uh free commander brigade um so we went out obviously with free commander brigade one rifles were attached with them um as a battalion so anyone doesn't know obviously that's part of the um, commander units and um they yeah, I'm getting lost because I'm thinking about my bro. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, mate. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. No, nah, it's cool. It's cool. We're doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my bro was out there as well. He left the year a few weeks before me. Um, he got posted up in Kajaki, Northern Helmand province. A lot of people know that um, area. Um, and I was in Garmzia, um, which was funnily enough where he was um, in 2006. Oh, he'd been out Herring. before. Yeah, yeah, he went out on Herrick 6, I think it was, or Herrick 5. Um, and they, they were at um, Garmzia. So my turnaround, obviously, I, I'm down in South Helmand. He's, he's in North Helmand. So were you? Uh, did you get a chance to see each other out there? No, gutted. Literally, literally as he left um, out there, I literally just got out. <laughs> so Bastion, right. the turnaround... He's gone, just gone, which was gutting. But I still see a lot of other lads that I knew from the Marines down here, his mates and all that stuff. So we're all chatting and that. So it was good. I seen people that I knew out there. So it was like cool to see other friendly faces, other Marines that I know and that sort of stuff. So that that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. But we were, we were in um, a lot of contact. So lots of uh, notes being passed. Obviously, my you know, patrol base was all written via pen with my shit handwriting from right. learning very well at school and is we're by some gucci freaking telecommunication stuff oh the text link that's it text link yeah. that's the one i can't remember the, the text link text link that was a <laughs> fucking shit mate i want to give a shout out to whoever invented the text link because that thing was golden mate because the great thing about text link 
was that you could because you could email and shit on there, and your your credits would go way further. Yeah. Actually, I want to say one: the fact that you have to use credits to call home from a fucking theater is insane. Like it should be everyone gets as many slots as possible, but like, oh, you've got to top up your own money. Hang on. How about giving me the fucking phone for free, cunt? So, like, that's a load of bollocks in the first place, MOD. Um, but, yeah, that text link was cool, mate, because, like, you've, you know, it might be in the middle of them. You might have come off stag. You might need a bit of morale, and you go on the text link, and you've got all your saved messages there that you could have a read on. And I, li- I like that. Yeah. Um, I thought that was good about it, mate. Um, do you want to talk about your brother, then? You want to talk about that? Because it's, it's kind of like this is this is a, a, a big part of your story, isn't it? Yeah, so, like... Going there, so obviously going out in Afghanistan, you know, doing my standard patrols and all that sort of stuff. Getting into my own own firefights as you as you, as you do. Um, find an ID, so I was, I was point man um, out in my uh, patrol quite a lot. My section point point man point man who never had a who never had a valen in the UK. I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So using a valen, to be honest, half me wanted it. I could trust my own skills. I knew what I was doing with it. I want the valen plus. If anyone knows what the fucking chubs like to carry, I know which one I'm picking all along. <laughs> right. So anyone, anyone who doesn't know what a chub, just explain to him what a chub is, mate. Uh, for any of the for any of you fucking youngsters with your TikToks <laughs> who don't know where you're born, to explain what what explain what the chub is, mate. The chub, right? Anyone that knows anything about IEDs as well. So the chub is a way to deflect any type of uh, any type of radio waves that's coming in to set off an IED to blow up all your mates and yourself. So this piece of equipment, I'm telling you, whoever made it needs to be sacked. It is like carrying a tank on your back. And it's like, yeah, just basically whoever gets given that, <laughs> you ain't, you don't like them. <laughs> and also just shit, how shit the day sacks were for them too. Oh, it's shocking. Like shocking. It, everything about it was just like someone had just, someone had got, get, they'd been like, right, oh fuck, here's a hundred million dollar contract for the government. I'm going to spend a few hours working on, on developing it and then I'm off to spend all this money on coke and hookers. Like there's no way that like, th- that was the best that they could fucking do. Everything about it was wank. Although, hey, it worked, but it was, <laughs> it worked, but also mate, the fucking butterfly clips. On the on the batteries, everything about it was about as it's like, shit. Uh, it's as unuser friendly as possible, and it weighed the fucking ton. I'm going to tell you as well that I did have to carry it on one one of the patrols, right? And uh, just short straw on that one. I'm telling you, <laughs> right? And uh, I'm carrying it right. And we got into a firefight, and I'm telling you, I was at the position where I've pulled out my FOSS grenade, and I'm about mm. to FOSS the equipment. That was the standard procedure with it, so the enemy cannot get in his own hands is if you have to leave any of that equipment behind for whatever reason, because I'm telling you, if you try and ha- if you have to fire maneuver with the chub on your fucking back and the enemy's, you know, trying to run around ambush or whatever, you're not getting very far. And the last thing you want to be doing is, is running around with this hefty bit of equipment. And that's what possibly is going to make you die. It's just because you, you can't run fucking very fast with it. Yeah. You're just a dead weight. You're just a cart horse. It's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you're there to save your lads from IEDs now, but you've just cleared one area. As long as you're going back in the same area to a point where you know it's safe. Uh, basically, I was about to foss it. It was that fucking shit, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, don't carry the chub if you can, guys. Get rid of it. Don't be a crow and get the fucking chub. Exactly. Get yourself, get yourself once, get yourself one stripe, and you'll probably be safe from the chub. Exactly. Probably. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that. So doing other patrols and that. Um. 
I got quite lucky actually on one of the patrols I was on. Um, I ended up getting, well, I think it was our second firefight we got into in that. All the, like, <clears throat> as you're doing standard stuff, you're going out there, first thing you're doing, contact left. Boom, find a position to hide. Get dug into the position where you can start firing back the rounds. And I remember coming <clears throat> at the end of that patrol, like after we won the firefight where they're heading back in, and I kept on itching my back going, what the fuck is that, man? I was like, something digging into my back. By the time I got back in there, like, I went on, a, <laughs> I went on a patrol the next day, actually. And then I'm like, oh, what is that thing still in my back, pissing me off? It's like something digging in. I got back off that patrol and I looked at it. I've fucking been shot in the back. Fucking hell. I was fucking ri- ricochet off the fucking wall. Jesus. Fucking went straight into my back, my day sack. And I was like, what the fuck, man? So yeah. it gone into your day sack and then gone into the day, day sack, straight into the day sack, straight on the other side. And it was stuck in that, the edge of my day sack. So it just burnt a hole in oh, it. Oh, so it didn't go into, it didn't go into your body then? No, fuck, fuck oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you meant that, I thought you meant that it grazed your back. Fuck. That's nuts. So it was just in your day sack. That's mental. It went in my day sack, but the point was at my back. Oh so it was my right God, in my back. Bro. And I was mad. like, fuck. So like, I've still got that round actually, and I still that's you know, dope. Engrave, that's cool. I still want to engrave. I still see. I still look at that sometimes and go, "Fucking hell, that was in a fucking wanker's fucking hands." Yeah, that guy shot at us. You can see all the rifling marks on it. Mm. You know the spiral of that, and I just think of the trajectory where it went, how it was hitting me, what we looked at. Sometimes I go you know, zone out back there, like. Try not to zone too much back there because it fucking semi semi loopy. Yeah, but. So that 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 was on like yeah like one of our early patrols, but that was pretty gnarly, pretty cool, man. Um, and from there, like I said, I started to focus on how easy life can be taken, but not just that. Counting my lives, how many have I got? Like from finding all these IEDs and that. Is that the point actually when one of my one of my sergeants out there and that, and in fact all of them were going around Corbin fucking our wife and Mackin, he's fucking nuts, mate. What's he playing at? And you know, I was quite. Half me is like a little bit like courageous to a point. I, I don't care. Like you said, until something real bad happens, I've always pushed the boundaries in one respect. So found this ID on the floor. And you know, when you're just curious to see what the fucking explosives are like on the floor <laughs> and they're hacking that, the, you know what you're doing? You're getting down on your belt, bucket. you're there looking around, you're, you're moving around with your little brush, you're wet, wafting around, little blow, you know, oh, I'm not getting closer. And I've just got a little bit of enthusiasm right now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like going, do you know what? This is quite exciting. Like, do you know what? Not just that. I'm getting a You watched the fucking things. Hurt Locker, didn't you? You've been watching the Hurt Locker. <laughs> hey, hey, that must have been made after me, to be honest. You must have seen me out there. I'm there, right? Hacking away at this fucking ground science. And obviously everyone else is stepping back miles away. And they're going over the PRR. Hey, welcome back. Hey, Corba. How, how are you getting on, mate? How are you getting on? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, just slowly getting there, guys. Slowly getting there. They're like, why is he slowly getting there? I've just found the pressure pad. What that went right? Cool. That's my fucking trigger. Yeah. If anyone knows science, and I was only an average guy at school, but I wasn't that dumb at science. All right, I'm looking right. There's me pressure pad. Stand on that. I'm fucking index. I'm gone. And then I was like, let's follow where this wire is going. So I followed this okay, wire, and I see this area. I'm like, right, this is where the bad boy is. Let's see this fucker. So I'm there hacking away at this thing, right, just seeing what the what it is because I just wanted to see it all. I thought EOD team they'll come in at some point. They may probably do the same which I have you know, it was not like that. And I'll tell you that bit in a minute. All right, guys, bear with us. Two minutes while we talk about some sponsors. Do not be hitting fast forward or I'll come and chop your fingers off and stick them where the sun don't shine. 
Thank you so much, Combat Comover, for saving today's podcast. For saving it, for sponsoring it. Well, I guess they saved it too. So there ain't no fucking podcast without the sponsors. Combat Comover, they're not even trying to sell you anything at the moment, noble listeners. All they're asking is that you head over to at Combat Comover and give them a follow online. That's literally all you got to do. So do that now. Head over to Combat Comover, follow them, like some of their pictures, maybe even slide into their DMs. And if you want to check out their products, great. But please head over there, follow them. It's the least that we can do for making them to say our thank yous for them sponsoring the podcast. At Combat Comover, I tag them up in posts, check them out. And thank you very much to our longtime friends, Zulu Alpha Strap Company, Bombers Watch Straps for Ali Blokes. You know how I feel about Zulu Alpha Straps. They give me a tingling in me naughty place. Yes, they do, noble listeners. Um, I love Zulu Alpha Straps. I use them myself. I, I love them. Um, some of them, well, the ones that they got at the moment, they're looking very refined. It's definitely something that I can imagine James Bond having on his wrist. I could imagine James Bond doing it because he's a gentleman, but if you're a bit more of a rogue, if a bit of Pablo Escobar is more your thing, I could see him wearing one too. Uh, in fact, why not go out on a limb here and say that he endorses this product, as does Veteran State of Mind. Head over to at Zulu Alpha Straps, check them out, get yourself a lovely bomber's watch strap for your uh, timepiece. Check them out, Zulu Alpha Straps. All right, back to the podcast. So I'm there hacking away and I literally uncover the whole fucking well, lot. This big fucking green bin barrel. Right, this whole big green bin barrel, which looks like cocaine on the inside, which I see the fucking oh. the explosive. <laughs> Where is this bin? <laughs> well, right, yeah, it definitely wasn't cocaine, I'm telling you that. But it, was a, <laughs> it was a big, big clear bag of white powder which i you know obviously explosives and that and left fuck me man the ud team turned up and they go who the fuck has uncovered this he needs to fucking go and have a word with himself like and i'm there going like well i thought that's what we're supposed to do man isn't it like yeah. you know i'm making it easier for you guys because there's nothing worse than putting in a cordon in for eod you're there for you might as well bed in oh, for mate. the fucking week yeah, yeah fucking co- cordons cordons suck mate cordons suck. i'm not gonna say that we used to mark and avoid and not call things in but I can understand anyone who would wink. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but mate, like, because it is a thing as well. You fucking, we all know the fucking drill out there. You find an IED, you destroy it. You can't keep eyes on the area because we haven't got enough blokes. So it's, it's back there the next day anyway. Sometimes you're better off just leaving them there and saving everyone the hassle. It did get to that point. Um, yeah, it did get to that point. Everyone was saying there was that many around. Look, mark it. Let's move on. We're waiting for you, D team. There's too many. Like, what the fuck? Let's just get. Let's just. We're not getting anything done. Yeah, um, but they just replace them, and they just replace them. Exactly, they do. Um, they move them. Uh, they'll move, move it. There'll be one, two meters to the left of it, or something, yeah. or even in the same crater, even in the same fucking. <laughs> exactly. Crater. Yeah, they're that dumb. But the thing is, they're that dumb. That catches people out, you know, which is such a shame. But you know what, mate? It is fucking. Isn't it mad though? Like, because when you join the infantry, when I joined the infantry, I'm sure you're the same as me. I never thought that I would ever have my fingertips on a bomb no. that had been put there to blow me up. That was not in the fucking brochure, mate. No, exactly. No, I was going to say, that's one one huge, massive point of like training and everything else. Is, and for everyone out there that knows, and, and let's touch a, a little bit on like the mental side of it, is, is the fact that I'm not surprised people like myself, you know, you can get effective, affected mentally 
from the dealings that you have on Afghan because in training they don't give you that training. You don't get that training. No, there's no zilch. It's not there exactly. And then you get home eventually, and then you have to analyze what you've done, and then you think, "Fuck me, man!" Like that one step. That's how not. That's how fucked up it is. You go in that street yeah. outside your house, and you just walk down, and you think any meter out there. As far as ten meters or whatever, you can just blow up into fucking little pieces. I st- I still get it, mate. Do you? Because like, if I and, I and don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. So I went for a walk uh, on Saturday um, on the mountain with my brothers. Um, we went for a walk up there. And don't get me wrong, right? When I come to a style, I'm not like breaking out in a sweat. It's like, oh god. But it there is a part of me that all that there's there's a little part of me that just goes, whoop, yeah. don't like this. And I, and then that's all it is, right? It's not fucking. I don't fucking have shit on my legs. I haven't got anything else. But there is a thing of or when you're jumping over a little stream. I'm like, mm. oh, do I want to jump on this point or do I want to move down here? It it pops into your head, doesn't it? Yeah, and and that that's where, like I said, sometimes it it gives you that burst of adrenaline and that you know that what's the word? I think they call it fight or flight, isn't it? That just comes into you. Like yeah, you yeah. get that feeling of like anxiousness run through your whole body and it catches you off guard sometimes and it does for me for sure but you just go with it because you're so used to it by now and um yeah when i got home was the was the worst time for me really because of that i was looking down the street and i I didn't used to step on drains nothing yeah walking around them you know being real on edge but yeah so that 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 was um pretty gnarly time like finding ids and stuff that's probably my most insane bit out there like it it wasn't really a clever idea, but I've still got that picture actually of how big that explosion was. One of the, one of the lads, one of the mates, um, he took a picture of it exploding. Um, oh, send it in, mate. I'll put it up on the, yeah, site. I've got, I'll, I, put it, I'll, put, I'll put it up on the Instagram. Yeah. I've got the actual picture of what I uncovered as well. I think, <laughs> Sweet. yeah, it's, it's, it's there, man. And, um, yeah, the, the explosion was pretty sick to me. I was in, that's that's the thing. IDs is such a sick way of 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 war, and it's such a shame, really. But the thing is, mate, with 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 them is like one of the reasons I get I get mad, and I've done it myself. Where you go like, oh, I was people like, what did you do in the army? Oh, I was just a grunt. Oh, I was just in the infantry. But then you're like, we do a bit of everyone's job, don't we? Really? Yeah. Like, because everyone thinks everyone thinks like they watch Hurt Locker, and they think that like you you're just walking around with these guys all the time who do the stuff but it's like no it's like some 18 year old lad is probably the guy that's finding those IEDs I think we had someone in our company I think one of the Fijian lads found like 100 IEDs or some fucking shit in our company yeah he's fucking mad like but you know that's and and like the reason things weren't any worse than they was is because Mm. guys were so good at doing something that we really hadn't been taught on You've been, we'd been taught about how to do section attacks we'd been taught we'd spent loads of time in fucking doing all that kind of stuff but we never done, we never done Valon or any of that kind of thing. And that really, when you get out there, that is the, the that is the main skill that's going to save your life. Yeah. Or tra- or trauma dealing trauma, mate, too. Yeah, with trauma and what you could possibly see out there, how it will affect your brain, how your brain won't be able to digest it, all that sort of stuff is not even in the training um, re- re- regime. Like it's just shocking. Um, I remember picking up a magazine once, mate, and it was about there was an article in there. For um for young officers, it's been written by a colonel, and he was saying like, take your soldiers to a slaughterhouse so they get used to the smell of blood and that kind of stuff. I remember thinking at the time, thinking, oh, like that seems a bit daft, and now I think, it's actually not a bad fucking idea. You know, do you know what I mean? Because, because thing is, mate, back in the day, right, 
people would. So I remember when we were in Iraq, one of our first patrols in there, and I, you know I grew up around the farm, so I've seen you know I see dead sheep and mm. dead stuff like that. So I'm like, it's very different to very different to an IED casualty, but I've been around dead things, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember we were on this patrol, and there was a they had the sheep strung up, and they were like they chopped the she- uh, sheep's neck, and they were draining the blood. And one of the lads from Manchester couldn't believe what he was seeing because he'd never seen an never seen an animal killed before. Yeah, yeah. And I'm think, and I was like, wow, this is mad. We're we're here in well, like like you said, we're there for peacekeeping. Really, we're there to kill people. And he's never even seen an animal get killed. I thought this is we've got this disconnect in our society now because back in the day, mate. Like, I, I looked into this guy from Wrexham the other day. He was in the coal mines before the war. Then he fought in the war. He was on D-Day. And then he went to work in the steelworks. Well, you'd have seen injuries in the coal mines. You'd have seen injuries in the war. But, like, now, thankfully, we don't get those every day. Like, But most people, mate, when they come across a car accident or a stabbing or something, they have no idea what to do. And I don't think that we... I agree with you, mate. Sorry, I'm going off a bit of a rant here because it fucking pisses me off. But <laughs> I don't think I don't think we, we did... We did kind of get enough training on those things. I I can't speak to whether or not that they've caught up on that. No. Maybe maybe they're doing more about it. I don't know. And I, I was just going to elaborate on on what you just said. Then is in relation to like what people see, like with injuries and stuff like workplace or whatever. But I think there's a massive difference between seeing life being vanished and taken, like seeing a soul gone from mm-hmm. whether it's an animal or a person yep. to limbs, whatever. Or, or that sort of stuff, be, be, being or, or injuries just happening to people. There's a huge difference in how your your brain digests that. Like I said, seeing something that was so full of life and then all of a sudden zapped to to fucking emptiness, that's that's quite a big hit. Like I think on a lot lot of um, it's um, it's definitely um, it's definitely easier to, as well to deal with someone that you don't know because, like you said, like if you come across something, like if you come across a car accident. You didn't know those people and you never saw those people full of life, as you're saying. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's someone you know who was taught you were talking to five minutes before, then that's a you know, it's a different that is a different ballgame. And I think the mental the effect that that takes out of people um is is so much is so much greater. So like did would you say you were would you, would you say would you like say you were struggling when you came back or was it, or, or what? Like what kind of what kind of mental space were you in? So well let's just um go on that subject i don't like (laughs) oh man right so so basically um so obviously from my tour all this shit happening anyway uh me and my bro writing back different pieces of um he's got the lucky text leak i've got fucking handwriting Mm. bullshit all right and um in one of his uh letters i remember clear as day He's saying, oh, cool, fucking hell, like, how are you getting on? Like, I was sitting next to an IED the other day. Like, it was fucking fucked up, man. Like, there's real dodge. And I'm thinking being point, man. I'm the Valen guy. I'm fucking got confidence in myself. I'm like, that's fucked up, mate. You should not be sitting next to an IED. You should be bombing that shit, man. Like, what the fuck? So half me, like, when I read that, I thought, are you even bombing? Like, <laughs> you know, it made me a bit worried anyway, reading what he was saying. Um, and, uh. Anyway, a um, few weeks that pass, whatever, do, doing our shit as we do. And um, I remember a chopper coming in. And um, just before the chopper's coming or en route, my um, sergeant major comes over and um, goes, uh, Rifleman Mackey in there, go and pack up all your kit, you're, you're getting the next chopper out of here. And I was like, what? I just got off patrol as well, so I'm fucking full of shit, you know, just being on whatever. 
And um, the first thing I learned is looked around at my mates, like my, my muckers, and I was like, fuck me, what do you mean I'm getting out of here? I'm like, this ain't good. Like, I'm, a no- I'm just a fucking average Joe, mate. Like, why am I leaving the lads? And all I can put it down to is family member might have died at home, might have been an accident at home, or the most highest percentage obvious point is, well, my bro's in Kajaki at North, um, not had a letter from him in whatever. And, uh, you know, it could be him, like he could be injured. <clears throat> anyway, after loads of scuffle, like there usually is, I didn't get on that chopper. And uh, I think it was down to the fact that my own, my own um, sergeant major that wanted to just put down their own stamp on what just happened, maybe find the best way to tell us. Like they, they know me better than me going back to Bastion. So um, go into scoff room uh, and uh, sat down with my OC. And he just said to me, clear as day, right? And um, this is the most mucked up experience of my entire life. When your best friend and your older brother who you've been competing with for your whole life and always had great banter with each other even before we went out to afghan joking about you know we're gonna have a stump off you name it you know your dark hue with dark hue this is me and trav right dark humor yeah. we're joking about yeah. all this stuff you know we're, we're gonna get home you know we're do, we're literally jumping around me mum with one leg Oh oh, we want like going, it's yeah, mum, you're going to see us when we get back. Do you know what? And I sit there, my OC, and he goes to me, Rafa Mackin, um, there is no easy way to say this. Uh, your your brother, uh, Marine Travis Mackin, has been killed by an IED. And uh, those words, as they were trying to digest in my body, if there is a soul in life, and there is any way that people ever feel a soul leave their body, I felt that. My whole body literally left, like my soul left my body, and I felt like, as he was telling me, I was looking down on myself and my own OC while he's telling me this stuff because my whole mind and body knew it was going to be a shock to the system. I could not digest it. I didn't know what I was doing. And... It was fact. That was the biggest thing. It was fact. It's not someone saying it as a joke. It's not on a whim. You know, everything that is coming out of my OC's mouth is fact. And I am now, my whole life from this point on is changed forever. Trying to contemplate that was huge. Trying to digest that was was huge. And, and the feeling that it gave my body was something that I never wish upon my worst enemy. Um, so. Yeah, that that was quite a, a, a huge deal. So what now? <clears throat> what do I do now? You know, my bro's gone forever. And how does a young lad that's dealt with firefights, all this sort of stuff, being involved in shit situations with, you know, friends being shot the lot, um, even seen to the point of like, you know, bless them, then they shouldn't have any place in the world of getting hurt. And that's seen the kids who, in effect, you know, we had hurt them, you know, from our own. Um, um mortar rounds and stuff like that so you know when you look at all the stuff that you've been through and trying to digest and then having the top on top of that my bro now you know not being here forever you know i'm only what 19 20 years old uh tw- it's probably 21 no it's 20, 20 19 19 years old i was 20 years old around that <laughs> and uh young 
Yeah, young. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm going to have to go through my life and try and do this. So get the next chopper out of here and uh, straight the bastion. And, and I just didn't know what to do. I broke down, man. I just, I was put in, I was put in the R&R tent, which was fucking shocking. If you ask me, when I look back at it now, I was putting an R&R tent. So everyone there is happy. You're going home to your family. I'm there put on a fucking bed and everyone figure out what to do with Corb, like what to do with him. You know, everyone's a bit lost. Like this ain't really happened that much out here. Having a family member in Afghanistan together. How do we treat this case? And I'm just there. I just start fucking. Did anyone ask you? Did anyone ask you, how do you want to be treated? That's the thing. Like, not really. But I, I was in the position where. I could have done what I wanted in, in one respect. Like, you know what it was like. It got to the point out in Bastion. This again, Bastion compared to the patrol blade to patrol bases is completely different. When you get back, I'm seeing everyone cutting around, smelling like fucking roses after shave, whatever. And with their hairs cut, I'm there ragged fucking beard, hair down to me ears, like looking like shit, stinking, smelly cock, you name it. I've got it. And, um, yeah, not one person, they must have knew I was there, but not one person told me about the state I was in, like the look of me, um, my hair, nothing. And then when I wanted extra, like <laughs> I went to scuffle, I'm getting extra food. You're only allowed, I don't know what it was, like maybe two sausages, but whatever. I'm there taking, yeah, I want four of them for this. No one said it, just give me all. And one person said something and then someone was like, nah, nah, let him have it, don't worry. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, two and a half weeks then I'm at Bastion, which is a very long time and trying to figure out how, how I'm going to get home. Um, and the biggest point there was obviously someone's got to like, ID my bro and that sort of stuff, make sure it's him, getting all signed off and everything else. And I get to the point where I had a decision they could send me home or like soon, soon the, next um, the next plane back out. But I couldn't, I didn't have it in me. I didn't have the minerals to leave my bro, <clears throat> like my best mate, my older brother. I couldn't leave him and um, it was at the point where I, st I stayed with him. I, there's nothing more guilty, right, than going out there with your bro in Afghanistan. Your family knows you two, you know, two like, best mates right there together and then one coming home without him. So the least I could do was fly him home. So I did that. I flew, flew him back and uh, that was one of the strangest things ever. And not just that is I'm going to touch on something which, I've probably not really spoke to many people about, and that is how we, as a person, you can edit this out if you want, because to me it's fucking wrong. No, mate. But I mean, still in a digesting period mode. I don't know what's going on. I'm still fucking blasé. I look course, at, there's three bodies now on this chopper getting sent home. Three of our lads. May they rest in peace. So one of me, bro. And um, they treat the dead like freight. There's no like what you see with like the Americans. You see, let's drape a flag over these bodies and fly them back as a single entity. You look, this this it's freight. There's shit getting chucked all around them. The lot. There's fucking whatever. Anything that needs to be sent home as well. Cost saving shit. It was chucked in there with them all. It was. I was just like, wow. Where's the respect, man? I look back at it now and I think there's no fucking respect for those lads. They just give their all for this country and what you're doing, you're treating them, you're, you're chucking them, mixing them in with fucking dead fruit, old fruit, whatever. Same, same money. With sh exactly, with shite. And I thought that's fucking wrong. And I think they knew what I was looking at because straight away the fucking curtain got pulled over where I was so I couldn't see anything. And uh, 
but I know what I saw. I was fucking wrong. Um, so flew home, and I remember being in the airport at Camp Bastion as soon as we landed. Eventually, so they do two trips. So they land you. They take all the shit off around them, all that, make it look presentable. Then they do another trip, go back, do the fly, pass over with Camp Bastion, the little salute, and then they land. <clears throat> and I was in the airport and I just didn't know what to do, man. I was just there twiddling my thumbs. I just had no, no energy, no, I was scared. I just felt guilty, absolutely guilty that how am I supposed to go and face my family, my friends, my parents who are waiting for me to come back, like want to give me a big hug, whatever, make sure I'm all right, get me back home. I'm guilty of two things. One, I've left my pals. I've left all my muckers, my mates, my, who I've grown massive good relationship to, we're fighting with together to protect each other. And then the other guilt is I'm coming home without me, well, me, me bro. Well, me bro's dead. Like It's just me. And that's it. Then that's the last face they're ever going to see of like a body of their like, family member. Um, and I didn't want to do it. I was standing around for ages and, and I, I just didn't know what to do. I was so lost. And I just did, could not face like my younger bro, my family members or anything. Um, obviously, eventually I did. And um, yeah. And ever since that day, like life has been an absolute roller coaster, really. Um, went in a massive dip. Did you, did you go back? Did you go back out? No, didn't, didn't go back out. Um, I was actually told to go back out. I think it was a week later. So seven days later. Mm. Um, and still, I don't think I was in the point where I was still trying to digest what happened. Like, you know, to me, everyone's different with how they, they deal with com compassion and it's all to do with, I believe how close you are to someone. So obviously my bro is just older, just the older than me in school. We're that close. We've done everything together with best mates. And then the next thing, I've now got to live my life without him. And then I've got to try and think of how I'm supposed to now be in the right frame of mind. And then, and then not just that, put that on my family a week later, I'm going back out. They never had time to digest it either. And now I've got to go back out there a week later. Yeah, that would have been no good for anyone. It would not have been any good. And then I don't think my frame of mind would have been right. You'd have got yourself killed. I think so. And like you'd have got, and, and maybe, maybe somebody else, like it's not like, it's, it's it's not the right thing for you to come back. You have to have your fucking mind 100% in the game. Uh, exactly. You know, you see it, you lose a percent. That's it. You lose legs or fucking lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was pretty, pretty shit, to be honest. <laughs> Mate, that's just, I'm really sorry to hear that, man. That's fucking awful. I can't even nah. begin to imagine, bro. But I appreciate you talking about it, man, because like that's the fucking real shit people need to hear. Yeah. Um, because, you know, as much as like we say, you know, we do enjoy and we love the boys and everything like that. Then, you know, war isn't a game, um, you know, and and I'm I'm glad you spoke about that as well, mate, because uh, the the flight and stuff, because that's stuff that people just don't know. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that, mate. And it's um it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cool, man. Um, whether or not it changed, I don't know. So was it was that the end for you for the army? Then were you just were you done at that point? So compassion i'm going to tell you as well right so british army to compared to the royal marines um or the royal navy probably the raf as well the care that was given to me from the british army was pr pretty much next to nothing it was awful right it was pretty shit to the point where at one point because we had lost our own mates as well, like our own lads as well you know may rest in peace especially um jamie dunn um one of the lads that i'd done my uh para insight course with you know he's not with us anymore from that tour um bless him and um you know, we lost our own mates, but it was to the point where I was old news then. 
it was like at one point our oh, Corb, Corb's a big deal like he's quite a, a focal point of whatever something's happened like to us you know what it's like you try and leech onto stuff which is news mm. you know it's like everything and um and then we lost our mates and then it, the next thing it was like Corbin it's not it's, it's, it's not about you lot like we've got our own mates to uh, like our own lads to deal with he, he was marines he died in marines and stuff like that. So I'm like fuck me I was just like I don't think these people like really understand really they don't get it and not just that I don't think they've probably lost anyone like I've lost so they don't they can't they have no fucking word to say they don't really get it you know um so i'm still trying to understand and digest what's going on in my life so that was the end for me in the british army um but i didn't leave to another year 14 months after 16 months after because they tried their best to obviously try and get me back on that horse try and keep me going i'm a good soldier you know well i like to think i was a good soldier in fact i know i was a good soldier um I know what I did in Afghanistan. I'm proud of what I did um, in one respect. And I you know I served with some absolute great soldiers as well. Um, but the road was done then for me. Um, second tour was coming as well, about six months after I'd left as well. Um, Herrick <sighs> 11, was it? Herrick 11. And um, it was at a crossroads of, do I put my family through it again? Or do I not? You know, I, do I get out now when I, while I can? And I did. Um, I wasn't in the right place anyway. I went on a deep, dark road. I just went on a spiral of shit. And when you go down that road, you feel like you're not going to be as good a soldier as what you were. Your heart would be in it into different re- reasons. I wouldn't have been out there for peacekeeping. I would have been out there trying to just slot people, which is the wrong fucking mentality to have. And it's not a professional soldier's way to look at how to be a soldier. So, yeah. So I... I- I mean, I'm not, I was going to say, how would your family take it? Obviously devastating. Mm. But um, how did they take it in the, in relation to you? Did they want you out of the military at that point? Yeah, I think my parents have been pretty good in the fact that they've always given me a decision. And that's my decision. But that's just because of who they are. Like, they can't take make me do what I want. I'm an adult. I'm a young man. I've been through some, you know hard training you know and i don't just want to chug that away for nothing but i knew deep down the look on their face when they're saying it they knew what they wanted me to say i knew what they wanted me to say it was just Mm -hmm. please leave corb like you know um putting them through that would be selfish of me to put even my little bro bless him you know even him putting him through it um wouldn't have been fair really so i think it was the right thing to do I think that's something that we learn. It's one of the reasons I think that they try and get soldiers to recruit younger because when you're younger, you only think about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then when you get older, you realize, fuck, like, it's not just about me when I'm on tour. It's like, because, you know, when you're on tour, like, this is hard for, like, civvies to get their heads around. But most of the time, you're never worried when you're on tour because if you're sitting around the patrol base, you're not worried about what's going to happen. But people back home don't know that you're sitting around having a brew and a chat and having a good laugh. Yeah. They think that you're constantly, they're thinking the worst constantly. And I think being away on tour as difficult as it is for a soldier is like, can be just as difficult, if not more so, for, for, for family. And I think when you get older then, or when you've had an experience like you have, you realize, fuck, this is like, this is the, uh, you going on tour is a mental uh, is a mental fucking roller coaster for more than just for you. It's everybody involved: your grandparents, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your, your cousins, your fucking best friends. Everyone goes through it, man. And um, yeah, it's um, 
like it, these, you know, people working in private security and stuff. I think the reason that there's a lot of guys have breakdowns with their families is because they're trying to keep them at a distance because there is that so much kind of stress that comes with it. What was like the next step for you in, um, once you left the military? Did you have a plan in place or like what was, what, how did things kind of go at that point? Survival, really. I was at the point where, you know, I, I, my whole life's upside down, right? Um, getting a lot of bad thoughts, a lot of bad feelings, a lot of bad views on where I'm going. And I'm at the point where I've got nothing really. Um, and um, I just went on a roller coaster down here, really. I'm trying to find out what job to go into and stuff like that. Like I didn't want to just be nowhere. I needed a focus. I needed to find a focus. So whilst I'm going on this deep dark road down into the abyss of shit where I'm contemplating like ending my life and all this sort of stuff, like getting no help from no one, no help from anywhere. And um, we are going into a detail, but like with drinks, drugs, fighting, fucking police dramas, what you name it, like just losing the standard post tour package, standard post tour package. Exactly. Going down that route. And I'm like, this isn't me. Like, this is not me. Like Corbin, like I look at myself in the mirror and going, what are you fucking doing? And there was at that point where I thought, you know, I'm at, I'm at the point where I'm at the lowest of the low. And I, I, need, to, I, I need to fucking go somewhere. So I start thinking of what can keep me in the, on this planet, <clears throat> like mentally and physically. And then I try to think of what am I good at? So I thought I was always good at obstacle course racing. So um, in the military, I think I set like the fastest record on the obstacle course in um, Catrick. Nice. Um, I don't know if that uh, still stands to this day. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it was, um, yeah. Anyway, so I knew I was good at that. So my strength to weight ratio was really good, quite nimble, smallest lad, 5'10", you know, yeah. So I thought that's what I'm good at. And then what else? And I thought, what else can keep me here? I thought, well, my little bro Milo, you know, bless his heart, such a fucking lovely lad. Best guy I know, by the way. Um, I thought to myself, Milo, like, I've got to stay here for him as well. Like, if I go, he got no one. Don't be selfish with that. So I'm looking online, trying to think of a focus and what to do. And I see fucking out obstacle course racing competition on uh, ITV Ninja Warrior UK apply here. And I'm there looking and going, God, that's got my name written all over it. This might be my focus. Plus something on a big scale, right? Where I can achieve something whilst keeping my brother's name alive, you know? trying to do that let's see what i can do what i can achieve like i said it hopefully it's going to focus my mind onto something positive as well because it's in a shit place so that was it i applied for ninja warrior uk as my focus um i didn't know what it fucking was mate apart from what it said on the on the package but it was quite a, a big deal in like japan in uh, china <laughs> so yeah. i want to drill down into something you just said there mate for the listener right because basically what you found there from ninja warrior was you found purpose and you found a mission so purpose being that the purpose of you doing it is like to get back to get back to your old self and also to remember your brother's, you know, to keep your brother's memory um, and the mission, you know, and then you've got it. And so that's obviously purpose is so important. And then you've got a specific mission in that as well. Ninja warrior specific mission. So many of us, we come out of the military and we just drift and we join the military because we had we, we, that was the purpose, like you said, you saw the nine eleven, like na- you saw the twin towers happening. You wanted to help people. You wanted adrenaline. That was your purpose. And then the mission was 
Afghanistan. And like, what more of a refined mission is there than going out with your MiGs to the other side of the world? And then when we come back and that's cut away, that's why one of the reasons, like, you know, notwithstanding your own issues, most guys coming back will feel this sense of like fucking like, what's my purpose now? What's my mission? And that's so why I want people to take away from this. Like, doesn't mean everyone has to go on Ninja Warrior. But you have to find something in your life that feels purpose. And within that, and within that purpose then is, is your mission. So, mate, how the fuck do you train for Ninja Warrior? <laughs> so, as, as you'll know, and exactly what you touched base on there, like how to help people when they leave, focus and all that sort of stuff. One thing that did help me as well was the endorphins that are given to you from fitness. Mm-hmm. Anyone that goes for a fucking run, if they're in the dirty dumps, they come back. I'm telling you, they're going to feel a little bit better. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe a small amount or a lot. It's still positive in the right direction. So I then used the training. So I ended up going on um, three series of, of Ninja Warrior um and each series i've learned something new of how to train better because i wanted to win something i'm a winner i've got a competitive mind and i want to do stuff at my best of my ability i didn't think i was going to get on okay i applied for it a couple weeks later it's like hey audition i'm like oh no way i best start taking this a bit seriously now (laughs) (laughs) so i started doing press-ups pull-ups in my room that was it i was quite high in hibernation mode really as well as as you do you know locking yourself away a bit but what can i do in my own safety enclosure so i'm doing press-ups and pull-ups in my room all that sort of stuff i thought yeah brilliant let's go you know starting to feel a little bit you know heavier a bit good about myself that's it another two weeks later hey corb uh we want you on the show i was like fuck no like i'm going on i'm like have i trained enough I don't know when two weeks training or four weeks training all together you're, you're not really uh gonna be at your so you haven't done any obstacle courses then you just nah. cracking, cracking a bit of fucking pre going out on the piss fizz like doing your bedroom courses, fizz getting a put getting a pump on in the arms like <laughs> exactly bedroom fizz that's yeah. it bedroom fizz and the old like runs and um yeah i go on ninja warrior and fuck me i fluked it mate i fluked it i got to the finals i come sixth overall on the first series and i thought fuck i've got something here mate that's what so talk talk us through that then so like what's what how are you feeling then because you've been in your bedroom doing your press-ups because they have a fucking crowd there and everything right yeah so what's that like when you what's that like when you rock up and you see because i tell you what i want to get on whatever those designers are on for those courses <laughs> those i don't know if fucking mushrooms or what they are but those 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 courses are mental so what are you yeah. feeling like because it's as much as like the catrick one and stuff is a good course, you know like there's good obstacle courses in the uk these things are just another level they're another level um the closest thing is you're right you'll probably say catrick but condense it make it a lot smaller and closer together like a hundred meter style obstacle course but anyway so doing <clears throat> the, the training for it anyway doing all the obstacles so as soon as I start getting there, I'm already suffering with like anxiety, you know, all that sort of stuff as you get from fucking military anyway. And um, I'm suffering with all this stuff. And I'm thinking, fuck, man, all this stuff is trying to like make me feel like I'm, I'm going back there. So I'm a little bit worried, really, thinking that I'm fucking getting about to start doing some, uh, yeah, hibernation, like, um, because I can't take how bad the anxieties are going. Anyway. I ended up going out there, seeing the course, and the course looks insane. I'm looking at it like, fuck, this looks hard, but it looks so sick. But the whole crowd are there. They're willing you on to do as best you can do, cheering, clapping, whatever. You name it, they're, they're doing it. And and then, yeah, 
I'll just go ahead and do it. And I managed to, I think I was the first person on the episode to pass the course. Oh. So I passed the course, pushed that buzzer and the sense of euphoria was insane. Like pushing that buzzer, the smoke's going off. I'm there looking behind, about to drop floor and fucking hide. <laughs> All the <laughs> fires flaming up from like, um, one of the courses I was on, it was sick, mate, but it's such a good feeling, such a buzz. The adrenaline was pumping. It was insane. I thought, no way, like I'm getting somewhere. I've achieved something. So I was like, mm. no way from since leaving the military and I've done fuck all in my life and in shit place. Boom, hit that buzzer. What do I feel? I feel like I've achieved something. Tick. You know, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm getting somewhere, you know? Um, and I thought, let's now channel for the semifinals. Look at the semifinals. It's a longer course, harder course. Again, you're starting to weed weed out the the not so good people. Like you're starting to start getting to people who have actually trained. Managed to do that as well. Past, in fact, I fell off in the semifinals at the very end. I think, but I got through to the finals on the furthest, fastest, and I was like buzzing with that. I was like, no way! I'm in the finals. Like I've, I've only, and they're like, yeah. Everyone there's asked me, hey, Corb, yeah, um, what what's your discipline? Like what? what do you what do you train in that like what, what is it because all these are parkour athletes they're, they're <laughs> gymnastics i'm like mate i do a bit of gym in my room yeah bit of fire <laughs> maneuver do a bit of fire maneuver training exactly i'm doing that yeah, i'm just doing a few press-ups and pull-ups in my room I'm like no way I'm like yeah then the finals and yeah I, I did really well got the stage two of the finals which if you don't know that's pretty good going you've only got two stage well one more stage left and you're on the rope and then you're oh. you're, you're quids in um so I did that and, and basically fell on the salmon ladder. If you don't know, it's a bar. Oh, is that, mate, that's mental. Because <laughs> that, 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 I was going to ask you about that because, like, that's insane. That 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 yeah. fucking thing, mate, <laughs> that is nuts. Oh, man. I, um, People are going to have to, yeah, people are going to have to look it up. But go on, sorry, mate. I'm just, I still got so excited then I jumped in. Yeah, so it's a, basically it's a bar. You hold on to a bar and you've got two, um, obviously just, just two, two points of contact on either end. And you've got a, it's like anyone that does CrossFit out there. Hello, you to your cheating pull-ups. <laughs> anyway, it's similar to that technique, all right? Similar to that, you're cheating <laughs> pull-ups. This is where you say, yeah, I do CrossFit. No, not me, mate. <laughs> Fucking no. Guns before runs and all that shit. Yeah, that's it. So it's that style of, uh, of um, technique. And then you pop up. Me, wow. If you don't have the technique, you ain't doing it. And that's exactly what happened. I fell straight away. Boom, splashed straight in the water. And fuck me, was it freezing cold water? Might as well have been in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> but how, do, how does somebody train for that, though? That's what I don't... You can't. That's why I don't get me. When I watch these shows, I'm like, who's got one of these in the fucking backyard? I have now. <laughs> no. I have, have built really? one in my garden. Somewhere, it's oh, on my salmon, Instagram. The, like the salmon one. Salmon ladder, I've got it. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's on my Instagram. And uh, you'll see it in there. In, well, if you ever look at it. <laughs> but it's on there. I've, oh, I got it, got it now, haven't I? Well, I built it. If, if you come down, you can have a go as well. See how hard oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> um, you got so, a physio on, on call. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I built that um, just to train on because, like I said, in Ninja Warrior, the only way you're going to complete half of the latter stage obstacles is by actually trying them, learning the technique. And then not just that, right. you know how strong your mentality is in military training and you, all the mind games. It's the same principles as Ninja Warrior. If you believe you can do something, you will do it. If you believe 100% that you can achieve something, you will get there. So, yeah, <clears throat> that was my first Ninja Warrior experience. Um, and I was pretty proud of that. 
Yeah, mate, that's fucking awesome. But, okay, again, I made a little note here. Achievement. Your sense of achievement. Once you get that again, once we, again, we, people are a bit listless after leaving the military. When you're in the military, you achieve a lot. Usually you're achieving on a daily basis. It might just be you go for some battle PT in the morning, but you achieve it. You know, you go on exercise, you achieve a company attack or something. You achieve, you achieve, you achieve. And then when you come out, all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like you're achieving anything. And that can that, that starts to... Momentum can go one way or another. You can build up bad momentum or good momentum. Sounds like the moment you hit that buzzer and you've got that sense of achievement, you were fucking back on the right course then because uh, you forget how good it feels to achieve. And again, like, so ach- achieving could be every day you say to yourself, right, every day I'm going to read 10 pages of a book, Brothers in Arms by Gary Jones. And you get up and you, <laughs> and you read that 10 pages of the book and you've achieved it. And then you say, I'm going to go for a run and you go for a run and you achieve it. And all of that momentum starts building up. And did that momentum of achievement then carry you into, were you buzzing then to do it, to do it again? That was it for me. So that was like, I've got something here. I felt like destiny is calling me in that environment. Like, mm. you know, cliche or not, I felt like I'm good at something. This is what I've got. I'd hardly even trained properly for it. And I believe I can do it. Not just that. It's a competition aspect. You, someone, you see something that's hard to complete. No one's completing it. You want to fucking complete it. That's it. You want to be that boy. You want to, you want to do it. That's me. Um, so that was it then. That was my journey. But obviously, as you know, with TV, you're not always guaranteed to get on. Right. And that's what happened with my second, second series, which was a bit of a flop. <laughs> well, it wasn't a flop. It was still good, but I'll, I'll, I'll touch base on it briefly. I don't want to keep talking like free series of Ninja Warrior, but I'll, I'll touch base on it. Uh, the third one, <laughs> so the second series um, trained for it this time in one respect, but obviously lighthearted because you never expect to get on it again. Like get on it once is like whoa. Right. Second time, let's train, boys. So what did I do? Join the gym. Biggest mistake of my life. Do you know why? Because all I did was created muscle, and what's muscle? Muscle is weight. What's weight? Not good for Ninja Warrior. Right. All right. It means you've got too much muscle in the wrong areas. And that's what I did. Standard boy, still a youngish lad. What am I going to do? Bench press. Come on. Do I need pecs in Ninja Warrior? Yeah. No, I don't need pecs in Ninja Warrior. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> it looks like it's mostly kind of like, it looks like it's explosive stuff from your legs and like a lot of pulling, like a lot of pulling kind of. Yeah. So calisthenic stuff. Um, and grips, grip strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nail on the head there, grip strength. Anyway, series two. Didn't train for it correctly. I still got to the finals, but I wiped out on an obstacle I'd already done before. Come top 15. But again, I still, I'm like, fuck, Corb. I'm still there. Like, I'm, I've got, like, I'm winging it and I'm getting there. I'm not even training correctly. Anyway, train my ass off this time. And what you said, grip strength. And anyone that's interested in your calisthenics or gaining grip strength or even interested in having a goal, and even if it is Ninja Warrior or whatever, or Beastmaster, go rock climbing, bouldering. Not only has it helped me personally, that sport in my mental mental health, it's helped me massively in, in uh, competitions. You cannot gain grip strength anywhere else mm-hmm. better than going bouldering or climbing rocks. And it brings you back as being a big kid again. But my word does it help you mentally because you have to think about how you achieve the, um, the, the, the climbs. You have to use your brain because it's freaking 80% technique and 20% strength. People think they can't climb. They're fucking stupid because if they think about what they look like or they think they ain't they, whatever, they, they, they're not in the right body shape, 
wow, you need to go and look at yourself in the mirror and, and take that away because I've seen guys looking about 200 kilos smashing roots that I can't even do. And that's because they've been climbing since they were a kid, but that's due to technique. Mm. So you can go there and you can really channel out all your demons just by going to a climbing wall, staring at it, figuring it out, climbing. Plus it's such a nice environment, nice people. They'll always have a chat with you if you want it. And you're just on yourself. You're just away. It's just like going surfing and you're at the beach. How many people get into that water and you feel like you're washing away all your demons? You're taking away all the shit. I, I've done it like, and I do it all the time. Yeah. It's such a good feeling. Get in the water or get climbing. That's really helped me since being in the military. Uh, leaving military. Yeah, both those things as well. They force you to zone in on something because we can be our own worst enemy with our thoughts. And sometimes we need a break from ourselves. And we try and do that by taking drugs and by drinking. Um, but there's a big healthier way of doing it, and that's by finding something to um, to zone in on. And if you you zone in on something. You zone in on something because as much as like, yeah, yeah, like um, you can zone, you can zone in on drinking. It's not going to give you a sense of achievement. It's not going to give you those endorphins or anything. So doing something like so like uh, boxing is a good example of it. If you're boxing, you can't think about anything else because if you are, you're going to get punched in the fucking face and it's, it's going to bring you around. Because um, as much as I love walking, I do think that the only thing about walking is you can still like you can't walk away from your thoughts. Um, and that actually can be a great thing because it can allow you to process your thoughts. But rock, rock climbing, surfing, that kind of thing, you have to be in the moment. Because if you're not, you're going to fucking cream in. Yeah. And like I said, even if there's not a wave coming, I look at it as focus the wave as that wave as it's coming and it hits you and goes past you or whatever. Or sorry, the, there's the shore is breaking. Hmm. Focus on, on that as it's chipping away at your shit in your head and nice. slowly washing away all that, all those demons and they're going with the ocean. That's how I feel. That's how I analyze it or try and focus on it. So yeah. So anyway, that was off topic. Sorry guys. No, mate, don't, there's no such thing as the topic here. We just, whatever's in your head, get it out. So let's, let's go on to, so this is it now. I've had my two goes of ninja. Yeah. right third time failure or not like failure like bust or success so that's it i end up now i've changed my job i believe in this much i believe on achieving something great and i think that's what i've got to do i owe it to myself my family my bro and like i said for mm -hmm. me i'm on that journey of success now so i now train your grip strength my bouldering training doing all the sorts of training i can do and I'm feeling really good. So I changed my job to run like a ninja style park. Um, that went Pete Tong, don't trust businessmen because they'll probably end up trying to just fleece you for your attributes or mm. whatever. Basically, fuck businessmen off in one respect because they're just there to use you. That's just my little two pence for them. Um, so anyway, but I got something great out of it. I trained my ass off. I become a fucking ninja beast, right? And... There we go. Ninja Warrior comes back up. I'm there, ready to apply, buzzing. Felt like if I don't win now, I've put all my eggs in one basket. I've got to move on and accept defeat. And that's something Corbin Mackin does not want to do. So guess what happened? Didn't even get on me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't even get on. I applied for it, but they thought that guy from Series 2 that flopped in the fucking obstacle 15 whatever the first obstacle in or second obstacle in the series two who said he had trained his ass off and i did but i trained wrong trained wrong yeah i trained wrong but now i've trained right didn't fucking get on did i and uh 
what happened then? Well, because I didn't get on, uh, obviously, the boss from my job was obviously like, well, we don't need you anymore. We don't need to use you anymore. That's the thought I got. And what do I have now? Right. Not much. What do I have now? <laughs> Go on. No. I have, yeah, yeah, not much. I have no job now. I've got no ninja warrior. I've got no job. So I'm there going, fuck me. I'm going rock bottom. What happens then? Demons start creeping mm. into my head. I'm starting to think like I've ruined, I've, I've ruined, ruined stuff. Like uh, I was on a, basically I was on a fitness routine. I was, uh, I had a focus and a goal. You take that away from a guy that was a veteran who's been through shit, who's lost his friends, his brothers, um, been through shit situations. That's just all I've got now. Mm. I've got them demons. I've got no fucking goal. So what comes along is a, my mate um, from America who I was training with uh, in the UK, Darren Perez. Good lad, Ninja Brethren. He sends me a link over. He goes, Corbin, he goes, I've got something that you should apply for, mate. I was like, what's that? <clears throat> he goes, they're taking on Team Great Britain for a series called The Ultimate Beastmaster, and it's um, on Netflix. So I'm like, no way, man. And he goes, yeah. I was like, what's it about? He goes, go watch it online. So I go watch the trainers online. I was like, fuck, it's just like Ninja Warrior, but on steroids. I'm like, this is badass. <laughs> So that's it. Apply for that, man. And go on. Go on, keep going. So there I am, man. I'm applied for. So that's it. Applied for it, right? So I'm like, don't get me hopes up. I'm fucking. I'm bad luck runs and freeze. Yeah. Then it lost, lost me <laughs> job. Lost Ninja Warrior and that. And um, anyway, yeah, got a phone call back going, "Hey, uh, Corbin, how you doing for America's um, director?" Hey, Corbin, uh, cut story short, we want you on Team GB. I was like, no way, this is insane. He's like, yeah, want you on Team GB. There's going to be uh, seven of you picked from Great Britain. Um, get training. And I was thinking, well, I've already trained. <laughs> yeah, boy. And, uh, and then mm. not just that, um, I got invited out to um, Dubai. Literally, after that phone call, after I've lost my job as well, so I've got nothing to do. And um, Dubai sent me out there for, um, to compete in their Ninja Warrior course, um, their Ninja Warrior competition. And that's going to be short, short and sweet. I fucking won that. So I thought, right, mentality is good. I'm starting my winning journey now. Got no job. Fuck yeah. You know, but look at me now. I'm a winner. Like I'm starting on that role. I'm going down that direction. Go and meet all my comrades at the airport, all for Team GB. Here we go. Going out to um, LA. So ready to compete. I find out there's like nine countries in total competing against each other on the Ultimate Beastmaster. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, this is going to be gnarly as hell. Like, as you do, we're all sitting, we all meet each other, we're all sitting around the, um, the pool. And I'm looking at these dudes and these dudettes. And my word, like they're doing freaking double backflips, spinny ninja flip, you name it, one arm pull ups. And not just one, they're doing like 50 in a row. And there's Corbin, like, I <laughs> can't even do one. And I'm like, shit, the bed. I'm out my depth here. But I thought, nah. Fuck. Why am I out my depth? Cool, be positive. You, you, you've focused on something. You, this is you. At your, you should be at your peak performance right now. So believe in your own attributes and what you've got. You know, you've had something good. You believe you've trained in the right way. I've just won one comp. Um. And there we go, yeah. So, so starting my, my Beastmaster journey on, on Netflix, and you know, doing the heats. My heat was quite um, 
it's quite shit really so it was probably the worst episode on the whole series but that was because we went first so we went first out of anyone on the whole on the whole series like my episode and mm-hmm. cut up against these insane guys right they're like top olympic climbers for their country like top five top ten whatever they they've won world olympics for like their age groups um and um yeah my heat starts and um not only am i worried that i don't think i'm good enough all of us are falling real early on in this (laughs) and we're like shit we're crap we're really crap but after that heat they ended up changing all the obstacles and making them closer together and easier so everyone else on the episodes look awesome yeah they all look and they all look insane and there's freaking corbin captain average looking dog poo what (laughs) so that's my heat out of the way but i ended up freaking winning my heat and getting through so semi-finals against obviously a more elite category. So what happened to Beastmaster? Because I think that's the video I watched of you, and that looked pretty fucking. And you, so you, do you win that? Did you win that then? Yes. Yeah, so I fucking yeah, smashed it. Um, in in one respect, like I, I was a slow start. I'll, I'll tell you. So I was falling at different points. Got all the way to the finals, and um, yeah ended up going against some amazing athletes but i just kept on staying strong in my in my mind in my mentality and that and got to the very end and i thought it's like 5 a.m right we're on the very last obstacle in the finals of beastmaster and i'm against <clears throat> um max sprenger of germany and uh Jaden irving of australia and there's just me captain average from great britain and uh I get told by Jaden, who got further than me on the obstacle before, who he managed to get a few more points to me on the last obstacle that we did to knock another guy out. Um, and he said, Corbin, I'll, I'll, he got to choose who went first, second or, 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 or third. So he put me last and he put me last, that cheeky mofo, right? Because all my, all my times were faster it doesn't matter where I fell, but if I completed an obstacle, they were faster than anyone else that was competing in this thing. And I think that was that was everyone else's kryptonite and my strength. So if you, I wasn't the best climber on, on that. I, I wasn't the best. I didn't have the best grip strength, but you've got to assess what qualities you have as a person. So it doesn't matter what competition you do. You need to go, what am I fucking good at? What, what am I better than everyone else on this field? And then you need to use that to your advantage because you know that's what you're going to be better at than anyone else. Because I know if I went on and done a climbing competition against them, I'll lose. Mm-hmm. If I went and done, let's say, whatever, surfing comp with them, I'll lose. But my speed over obstacles was my advantage towards anyone else. And I think Jaden knew that. So he put me last because we're shattered. But this is where my military training come in. Stagging on for hours on days, <laughs> malnourished. That's that's it. That all come into play on that last obstacle, right? Is because I just thought, fuck me, Corb. None of these lads have been in the military. They haven't seen or been through the shit I've been through. They haven't stagged on like I've been. They haven't had sleep. They've been sleep deprived mm-hmm. like we've been through. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's a quality that I have got, and that's a training quality that I've got to bring with me on this. And I've got to claw everything. If you want to be the best and you want to win, you literally have to give your absolute all or you just simply ain't going to win. You've got to believe it and use every every uh, 
positive aspect that you have in your life to do it. And I did. Um, I went last. And although I just wanted to go to bed because I was so tired, I had that one little last talking to myself and going, Corbin, this whole two weeks of late nights, hard competition, anxieties through the roof. This is it. It's all over after this. You either have the choice to walk away with £50,000 or dollars, should I say, on this last couple of minutes of hard work and you give it your all. And I did. I, I, I gave it my absolute all and I got to the very top and I managed to beat the guy next to me. He was Max Sprenger, who was a brilliant athlete by 19 points. And if you look at how the points system worked, 19 points was quite a big fucking deal, mm. if you ask me. So I was really proud and pleased with it because at one point I thought I was going to fall off the last, last course because I was, I was shattered. I was done for, um, but there was just something in me that just thought, just, just go for it. Just grab, you know, just grab the last obstacle. And then when I hit that buzzer and I found out I'd won a sense of like accomplishment ran through my whole body, like a sense of achievement, a sense, like a, a, a feeling of like I looked up into the sky and felt like my bro, um you know and i felt like i finally done something achieved something on another level that it, it it basically said to myself if you put your attention and your beliefs and and you you know into one thing that you really want you can sure as hell get it you can sure as hell get what you want if you believe it and i'm telling you what i was saying earlier about if you believe it in your mind and you train correctly and you take away, you know, all the negatives and you push them aside, you can sure as hell achieve your dreams. So, Mate, I think that's amazing. I think that's a great lesson for anybody listening. Civvy, military, future military, whatever. Um, I think you're speaking absolute, absolute fucking truths there, mate. Um, dude, we're, we're out of time, unfortunately. I could keep fucking going on this. Like, Probably talk forever, me. <laughs> yeah, mate, I fucking really enjoyed this, mate. It's, um, you're, you're unique, mate. Um, but you're unique but you've got a lot of things that people uh, can learn from anyone can take from them. Um, before we get going mate do you want to tell people where they can find you on the interwebs yeah for sure man so I'm just strictly focused on uh, Instagram at the minute so it's just corbin.mackin I'm quite an outgoing guy I'll answer any questions anyone needs and like I said if anyone's struggling hit me up I may be able to point you in the right direction or even just give you some support Guys, thank you so much for joining us and listening today. Corbin, thank you so much for being a part of Veteran State of Mind. I really enjoyed the conversation with Corbin. I'm sure you guys do too. Um, he's a, an impressive individual and uh, we think we can learn a lot from people like him and his unbreakable spirit. And it was really, really, really a pleasure to have him on here. Guys, please go and follow uh, Corbin on social media. I'll tag everybody up. I'll tag the sponsors up in all the posts. Follow us at Veteran State of Mind. It's probably the easiest thing to do. If you head over to at Veteran State of Mind, then you will find everybody um, is tagged up in the posts on there. So it's your one-stop shop for getting behind sp- supporting the people who support the podcast. Thank you so much, guys. We'll be back with another fantastic guest on Thursday. Catch you next time. Love you. Bye. Yeah. Listen. Shout out Teaser. 
You told me not to worry and you wouldn't break my heart You told me you were sorry and yeah, my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault and yeah I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better and I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter yeah I'll never be the same I've gotta let you go now live your life and spread your wings And yeah you put on quite a show and pull the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain or maybe you should thank me It's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever I won't hang my head in shame But yeah you've taken me for granted And you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us A dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live And something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet Or hold a newborn But no matter what I do My hands remembering my rifle Yeah, Life's hard, I know that Still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose